Oh, I can hear you swallowing the coffee. Mm -hmm. It's a very good microphone you have. You are listening to Filthy Armenian Adventures. opening this particular episode with a special guest to help me figure out what happened what happened what happened when our mother would take us on these epic 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 shopping odysseys to Nordstrom that was the main that was the main place I remember. Sometimes to Bullocks. It was literally called Bullocks. There was a department store called Bullocks. Less often to something like Neiman Marcus, I think, given proclivities. And these were very traumatic experiences for me as a young child. And given where this episode is set in Austin, Texas. I felt like I wanted to unravel the meaning and try to get at the source of my trauma as a shopping victim, as a specifically department store, Chthonian swamp female longhouse shopping victim, uh, which, which, which I really did revolt against. Um, those endless hours and hours in the department store, specifically department stores. I wasn't as, there was nothing else that I minded as much. Like I wasn't nuts about, you know, grocery shopping, which our folks also took forever when doing, but there was something about the department store that drove me absolutely boredom to the, to the limits of my boredom. And I revolted against for years and years. I wrote my first like essay, essay, like non-political one in high school. And it was called that four letter word. And the four letter word was shop. And it was a it was a rant against fem, female coded endless aimless shopping, and this is something that didn't just traumatize me, but it is literally the one thing that our mother and our grandmother can do forever, as if they're in heaven. So, I want to try to understand what that's about. And so I've got my sister on the line whose name, whose middle name is the name of the black waitress we begin with. And my sister has a background in being available in the same vicinity as my trauma. And she used to join me in these shopping quests. Um, since we're only two and a half year, years apart, 
although I think I started going before she started joining. And I just want to figure out at what point, like, first of all, were you not as bored as I was when we were trapped for several hours? Oh, well, when we were little, I was very bored. But I think... I think that you had an extra layer of torture before I was old enough to join or old enough to, you know, participate in some kind of play with you because then you were alone. But what I remember is us being on those shopping adventures together. And so, yes, I was bored out of my mind and we would whine and we would, I, I think, even cry because we wanted to leave so badly. But then we would also play and get into all kinds of trouble, which was fun. So I remember that. Well, my, my, yeah, I mean, I remember that in order to create some sort of diversion to entertain myself, um, I would do things such as shut the elevator system down. (laughs) I would hide in the racks. I would hide in the middle of the circular racks. And I had a kind of fetish for curtains, if you remember, around the age of five. Like, I was really into hiding behind curtains. Do you well, remember yeah, that trend? I do. Yeah. But there Which weren't can- curtains behind, there weren't curtains in department stores, but there were those circular racks which still exist like the sale racks. And that's what we would do is that we would hide, we'd play hide and seek, and we would inevitably always hide in one of those. But it was kind of like, okay, which circular rack is the other hidden in and that was sort of the game but then you'd always have like some weird you know 55 year old lady who would be looking through the rack who would then get shocked and surprised that there's a little small child hidden in the middle of one of these circular racks there would also be the little small child namely me being led into the woman's dressing room Oh, and being yeah. shocked and surprised when we're seeing a 55-year-old Asian woman with her tits hanging down. And yeah, then well, she would and then she would scream <laughs> that a 4-year-old boy was looking at her in the dressing room because his mom dragged me there. Well, now I think you're thinking about Lomans. I think that's what it oh, was. Oh, that called. is Lomans. Yeah, that was Lomans. Yeah. That was Lomans. Which doesn't exist anymore, sadly. Uh, but those even, well, were like the communal dressing rooms where everyone was just free for all. There was no such thing as stalls there. All I ever got out of those dressing rooms were 55-year-old Asian ladies uh, <laughs> looking at me like I'm some sort of pervert. Well, that's not fair. There was also 55-year-old Armenian ladies, too, that I remember. Not including our family members, but, you know, just randomly shopping because you would get really good deals at Lowman. So this is like the discount store, you know, it was like a step above Ross, but definitely below Macy's and Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom. I remember Lom. I feel like it was in the West side pavilion or something area, but I could, I could be way off because I think I have, there was only one Lomans. I'm pretty sure it was in the Valley. So I don't think it was West side <laughs> pavilion. Maybe it was Burbank, maybe something yeah. like that or Sherman Oaks. You're thinking of, there was Robinson's May. You didn't mention that. Oh, Robinson's May. I forget Robinson's May. Yeah, you didn't mention that in the intro. So those were the the hard hitters. Did that become Macy's or did that no longer exist? What's the deal with that? What did did Bullock's become and what did, Bullock's just disappeared. Bullock's, 
was that's a really good question. Bullock's just disappeared. I don't think it became anything. I think Robinson's May Robinson May became Macy's. I think. I think they're the May company, right? Robinson's May Macy's. Definitely has the same sound. Yeah, I do think that it was. I do think they're connected, but and and they just folded that. They just took that brand name out of there. But uh, what else also, was there? Any other store that was? Um, I mean, I know there was Fred Siegel, but that still exists, and that's well, a boutique store. Yeah, and, and Fred Siegel was a big one. I think you're underestimating how much we were taken to Fred Siegel. That was like a huge torture chamber because. I remember specifically being there and it was before it was right before I actually started enjoying shopping. And that was bad because we would be there all day long. That was its own specific hell. It was the most, I feel like everything in my life has been a reaction in some sense to the imprisonment of these shopping of these shopping escapades. And it was was bad for sure. When did you start enjoying it? Because at some point you didn't, you stopped being bored. Well, I that never arrived for me. (laughs) Well, I started enjoying it probably in like sixth grade, but I didn't enjoy going to the stores that mom or Dee Dee took us to. I enjoyed going to the stores that were, you know, for middle school girls, like limited to, which also I don't think exists anymore. Um, pretty much just that, honestly, limited to, I think, was like the only appropriate store for teeny boppers then. And that's when I started enjoying it. So sixth grade, when I started to somewhat care what I looked like, wanted to impress people at school and so on. I don't think that you started to care what you looked like until you were like in your mid 20s. That's not true. You're exaggerating, but uh, I definitely didn't. I definitely didn't care enough to want to go shopping until my mid twenties, in any kind of active way. Well, right. Well, I think you let m- me and mom kind of buy your wardrobe. I guess you trust. You trusted us enough to dress you. Yeah. Well, we we did all your shopping for you. If Dubi- you weren't shopping, yeah, I but know, it was but with dubious results. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't definitely, I, I, I still, I mean, to this day, as we, as we shall see in my, I mean, I, well, I believe in people, I believe in doing things you hate now. So my attitude is different now than it was up until, you know, however many, whatever, however many years ago I stopped being dedicated to the hatreds I, I was raised on. Um, and boy, was shopping a hatred. Now, the thing is, now if it comes to if it comes to anything like a toy store or a bookstore or anything in the realm of fun for me and for any other kid at the time, and for me now, I can shop for I can shop endlessly at a bookstore, a record store, a toy. You know, back then a toy store. I I could have lived in Toys R Us. I'm sure. So it's not like it was a zero. It's not like nothing. It's not like just a mere act. And of course, my dream was, which I realized for three years to a remote degree, was the sports card store. Like I still I would love to have a sports card store. Um, and I and I that was a an, an ideal for me. But it seemed like a totally different world 
than the department store that I loathed. Well, yeah. I mean, you're talking about being like a five-year-old boy shopping for, you know, middle-aged women's clothes. I don't see how that would have been some of them, some of which I wore at some point. Remember, like the, <laughs> my uh, Maria Cantalopez phase. But <laughs> you um, would let you would let me dress you up and put makeup on you, which was fun. What was the point of doing all that shopping if I if you if you weren't going to at least pretend to be some middle aged Mexican woman who's just flown in from uh, Guadalajara and is 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 ready to make a make a splash in the in the community. That's a good point. But you wouldn't dress up while you were there. You wouldn't do that. No, I know, but I should have and fuck freaking freak people out. It was so boring. Yeah. You probably would have fit in the women's shoes better back then too. Yeah, but then my mom found those size thirteens for my Tina Turner show. But well you were already grown by then. You weren't being forced on shopping trips at that point. Are you able to go to a department store now like they do, like they used to do, and just be there for nine hours? No. Now, I mean, I used to. I feel like the internet ruined that a bit. Um, Now I definitely go to department stores all the time, but it's with a purpose. It's not like an aimless, I'm just going to go shopping and see what happens. It's, oh, I need a pair of jeans, so I'm going to go try on you know, 50 pairs of jeans at Nordstrom until I find one that looks good on me. Um, I don't really do the pointless shopping trips. I would say those stopped somewhere, somewhere in the college days, really. Because now you can just get things online. You can do the pointless shopping from the comfort of your computer. Yeah, but that's not what, that's not what mom and Didi were getting. They weren't being efficient. They were doing pointless shopping for the sake of pointless shopping. Yeah. And for the sake of feeling, for the pleasure of trying things on, or I think just removing them from their racks and then like, you know, spreading them out and looking at the tag and like holding them up and the whole, that whole ritual is what they were doing it for. And they clearly had zero, zero limitations on how much time they could spend doing it. But wait, I disagree, though. I think you're missing the point. It wasn't just holding clothes up and and then looking at the tag and then trying them on. It was the thrill of a sale and finding an item of clothing that was like 65, 70% off. And it could have been something ridiculous. And I hate to say I definitely inherited this trait is like I could be somewhere and it could be kind of an ugly sweater that I would never want, but it's 75% off. And I'm going to be like, oh, it's 75% off. And it's, you know, this she-she brand. So I'm going to buy it. And that's what got them. See, I think you were so bored that you missed that critical aspect to them finding something on sale for such a cheap price that they just had to get it. I think that was the joy. So just pure insanity. Because the whole, there's nothing... There's nothing that makes sense about buying a piece of because you're not going to resell it. No, and you're not. But it's like it's oh this deal that I'm getting. Yeah, it's but it's a pure it's purely fiction. It's a pure fantasy because if you didn't know the fact that you're getting it at a great discount, you wouldn't be able to tell because you're not actually getting it for the sake of wearing it specifically. That's not your number one. Well, I mean, you wouldn't, get, you wouldn't get something that looks bad on you. But yes, I think there was an overwhelming amount of clothes bought that probably ultimately were not worn. 
But, you know, what, like, for example, if you look at the Fred Siegel, we didn't just go to Fred Siegel any old time of year. We went during that half yearly sale. So mom is getting the most, you know, the Versace, I don't know what, at 75% off. And that feels like it's really like you're getting such a good steal and a, and a good a good deal there. And it's there's, I think, a high to it. Like when you find something that's really expensive and it's price slashed and it looks good on you, it's, it's a really great feeling. But I don't think you would have seen that. And I didn't see that as a kid. That's something I realized much later once I started to care what I was wearing and, you know, trying to impress everybody in Los Angeles public schools. The opposite. So this, this, this episode begins the first hour in this great old timeless diner in Austin. Mm-hmm. And that is an environment, a, a restaurants in general were an environment that I was never bored at. I always loved restaurants and you hated restaurants. Oh my kid. God. I hated it. Still, when I think about it, it like turns my stomach. Hated. Talk about boredom. That's what that was. That was torture. I mean, shopping was torture, but at least I think I had you and we could play. And so, like, I don't remember shopping being as torturous unless you weren't there. And then I was alone and it really was torture. But restaurants were just torture because you would engage with the adults. So it was just me there in child land being bored out of my mind. And why do you think it was that you were unable to engage with that environment? Like I could, I don't know. You've always been able to engage with the adults. Uh, You were just always good at that. And they would, you know, ask you questions and you'd want to, you were, you know, kind of center of attention kind of guy. You'll never admit that, I'm sure, but you would tell I've admitted jokes. it many times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> well, well, then you admit it, finally. Your center of attention. You liked being the star of the show. You wanted to sing songs and tell jokes and do impressions of the older, you know, grandparents and other funny people in our lives. And uh, I don't think I was that person. I didn't, you know... I'm not sad about it by any means, but it's not like I wasn't engaged in those conversations. I think I was always the little one. I was always like Bajaliga, which is Turkish, I later learned, but the small one. So I don't think that I got that same kind of attention. I don't think I liked having that same kind of attention either. I didn't want that level of attention. I kind of wanted to be doing my own thing. I saw myself as very separate from the adults. And I think you were able to put yourself in those conversations and enjoy. I mean, I don't know what you enjoyed. I'm I'm pulling this out of nowhere now. That must be part of it. I mean, that that must be it. I guess I didn't really even think of the, the conversational element of it. I thought of the fact that it was just so glamorous to be in a restaurant, to eat that, to, to be served, to, to have like burgers and uh, Caesar salads and, uh, you know, the kinds of foods that I still to this day am eating. Like I, I still, I mean, I started, I got into the whole cheeseburger, Caesar salad, you know, hot wings type of thing very early on. And it's still all of those three items are still, 
quite enticing to me. Um, and I'll, and I got into stakes around what age 12, which is pretty early, I guess for stakes. Yeah. Um, but whatever it was, I just liked, I, I, there was the only, the only restaurant I hated was California pizza kitchen, which was the only restaurant I liked. And that's probably why you hated it. You probably hated it because no, I, I literally hated there. it. Because I hated it because I lit- it literally. I didn't hate it because you liked it. I literally just hated it, and you loved it, and we were at such loggerheads over this issue. <laughs> That's we were true. A completely, I was infuriated by that place because I felt like it sucked, and it's also because it felt to me like, first of all, their pizza didn't feel like real pizza. It felt like. It felt like little stupid, stupid person pizza. It wasn't the, when I thought of pizza, I thought of the big, you know, a full ass pizza. So I felt like I was getting fake ass pizza. And then on the rest was just pasta, which we would have at home every single day, since that's the only food you would ever eat. Well, so that's why I liked it, because they had good pasta. And I, very contrary to how I am now, I did not like, like eating, I don't think as a kid. Like I liked yogurt with pasta. And that's all I wanted to eat, as you know, was yogurt and pasta, which was introduced to me by our other grandmother. Uh, And eating was like kind of like a nuisance. Like it was like a thing I had to do, but I didn't really want to be doing it. I wasn't hungry. I didn't sit there and think about food, which I'm completely different now. But I guess you really liked going. I, I never even thought about that. You liked the experience of going to restaurants. That's kind of funny. Like, as a small kid, you like that. I don't know many small kids it's that really enjoy that. It's a glamorous, grown-up world, and it's theatrical, and it's – I like the food. I didn't necessarily care for the the, the like the fanciest level restaurants we, ever, we went to on special occasions. You know, I had my preferences. Yeah, you I liked, liked crappy food. Huh? You liked crappy food. I mean, no, I liked – I liked, I liked I liked restaurant version of junk food. Yeah, like diners, greasy burgers, french fries, fried chicken. I mean, you were no connoisseur of fine food, that's for sure. I liked the hamburger hamlet level of you know stuff. I liked the I liked the way I liked the way I liked a place that would have a club sandwich and you would see them bringing it around. And the place that would have burgers on the menu, the place that would have clam chowder on the menu, the place that would have wings on the menu. Yeah, you like bar food. Caesar salad. You like yeah. bar food. Yeah. Like pub I, I, food. I very American, like 1970s American. Right. Which I despised. I mean, I don't think there's anything that you just mentioned that I enjoyed as a kid. So I hated when you would always get to pick the restaurants and you would always win. And I wouldn't always, always win because we went to CPK a few times and it was scandalous. Well, to that me. was only because our grandma also liked CPK. Exactly. That was only when huge ally in our. You had a huge fucking ally because we would end up going to CPK once for one of my occasions, and that really, that really pissed me off. That was the <laughs> ultimate outrage. There was one time that for my birthday or something, we ended up going to CPK, and we ended up going to CPK instead of another option that I would have loved. I don't remember if it was Fuddruckers or what. But we ended up going to CPK because that's what my grandmother – and it was a long-ass line. To, to, it was like back then CPK was so popular. Um, 
Fuddruckers. You literally would have rather gone to like a fast I food restaurant. Fucking love no, that Fuddruckers was so much fun. It had game, arcade games and everything. That was like a whole experience. The one in Burbank, but then there was also one place I loved that certain members of our family loved too, and that's why we would go a few times. Was Planet Hollywood? Remember Planet Hollywood? Oh yeah. Do those exist? Uh, I think there's like the one in Vegas and maybe one other one in the rest of the, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Oh, I was confused Planet Hollywood and Hard Rock Cafe. I feel like they're the same thing in my head. Well, they were, it was a shadow version of Hard Rock Cafe that didn't really work. Okay. It was a, that's what they were going for, except instead of rock and roll items everywhere, there were Hollywood items everywhere. And I think Uh it was a, it was owned by a combination of Arnold Schwarzenegger and maybe Bruce Willis. I don't know. There was like a whole team of Hollywood and, you know, guy, people who were behind it. But other than yeah. the hotel now, I've maybe seen one. I feel like I've seen one out in the wall, maybe in New York Times Square or something randomly. But it, it, there were several. At least there was a few in L.A. At the, in the 90s. It was one of those 90s things, very 90s things. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. No, but you love that kind of like just kind of really super mediocre American food. I mean, you even loved food at like theme parks. It wasn't mediocre. That was very mediocre. It that's why they don't. That's why they don't exist anymore because it wasn't good food. No, it's because people's tastes have gotten shishi, and because you now rule the roost. You who hated restaurants are now the one dictating where what people should eat now. Because suddenly, when did you discover an interest in restaurants? Because you sure as hell like them now. I do. I like could them it a be lot. because they? Could it be because they symbolize your husband's wallet? Mm, no, I don't think that mattered to me when I started liking restaurants since I was probably like in middle school or high school. Well, then what do you think flipped it for you? I started to really like food. There, I don't know when it happened. I can't pinpoint it at all. But there was a point where food became a very important part of my life. And it still is. I love food. I'll sit there and think about what I want to have for dinner. I'll dream about a good restaurant I went to. Um, it's kind of all the things that you liked about it as a kid, like the whole experience of going and the ambiance. And it's not about it being shishi fifi necessarily, although those restaurants can be very good, but it's about good food. Yeah, but you're a snob about it. You don't like diners. You don't like... Well, that's different, though. Diners aren't good food. I mean, <laughs> you're talking about like greasy, like... Yeah hash browns that's mm. not i don't consider chicken that fried good. steak and the best ranch dressing that's what i'm having later in this episode the best ranch dressing ever and the best chicken fried steak what does that even mean chicken fried steak i don't even know what that means it's like a schnitzel fri- basically yeah okay well I'll just call it a schnitzel then but deep fried i think in this case so it's like it's like fried chicken but it's steak I mean, look, I like a good diner for breakfast after a night of drinking, for example. It hits the spot, but diners have their time and place. It's not all the time. Like, I like sushi, and I want ramen, and I want, you know, Sushi just, just tastes food. like money. I like sushi, too, but it tastes like money. There's nothing. It's there's like money. You, you, it's just, I, I don't trust the female interest in sushi. I think that it's purely marketing for women. I don't trust that you who hate you hate fish. You hate fish and you hate specifically the flavor of fishy. And yet somehow sushi has cracked your your rotation of fantasies. How 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 do you why do you think that is? I'm specific with what sushi I like. Uh, And you know, I will say I think that uh, like our dad forcing us to eat certain foods 
opened my taste buds to things. I, I think that our family, we come from a family that knows how to cook good food. So I think we both grew up eating really delicious food. And so I have a taste for it. Um, we didn't grow up eating a whole lot of fish, which is why I think I don't love fishy flavors. But that's not fair to say I don't. I don't hate fish. There's just certain flavors of fish that I don't enjoy. But no, I think with restaurants, it's the whole experience. I love really good food and what I consider really good food. Um, could be any kind of restaurant, any genre. So I don't know when that switch happened. Um, but it happened at some point, definitely by college, I would say I was into finding good new restaurants that were rated highly and so on and so forth. I mean, that's the first thing that I'll research when I go visit any city or any country. Yeah, I know. And I just, I'm suspicious of that whole transformation because I feel like it makes sense that a girl would just prefer like would just prefer home food what because that is what you are kind of biologically <laughs> destined to prepare what the hell are you saying? I'm saying that you're. Ba- what the it, hell do you know that I your, cook? I it's am your like assigned least... role at birth is to is. To, I'm just saying that that makes sense that you would just be a home like you're you're you would be home home inclined in your most uncorrupted state, and that I wouldn't be. Like, are you talking about if, when we're little? You're talking about when we're kids again. I'm talking about when you hated restaurants. I oh, think it yeah. makes sense that you hated restaurants. Is what I'm trying to say. I also, I mean, think about most children. I think you were the unusual one. Like most kids like to eat French fries and ketchup and chicken nuggets that are frozen from the freezer. Like kids don't have these big culinary appetites. I think you were the weirdo that wanted to go out to restaurants and hear boring adults talk for five hours into the late evening. Uh, that's. I don't think that's a normal, you know, child trait. Not maybe not to the extent extent that I was universally into it, but but also I don't think it's necessarily normal that you you know you would hate them so much that you would literally f- dem- like in, make demonstrably go on these uh, civil disobedience, uh, <laughs> falling asleep on people's laps the second we would arrive anywhere and like be a, a royal pain in the ass the entire night, which is what you would do. Yeah, well, at least I'd fall asleep. Hey, I just put my head on mom's lap or dad's lap and I'd go to sleep. Who was I bothering? Do you think someone's fancy restaurant experience is enhanced by uh, Romy's face on their lap the entire night? Well, don't take your five-year-old daughter to a fancy restaurant. That's well, don't the take moral me of that to the, story. Well, don't take me to fucking Loman's middle-aged Asian Chinese dressing room either, but that's where we were. So... Well, I don't describe. I don't. I don't disagree with you at all. I try in this particular adventure to 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 just to look it right in the face, to go deep, deep, deep into the Chthonian female swamp of. Endless, endless department store shopping, and and the the trigger. The, the thing that triggers me is, of course, the ambient perfume smells, 
which are what marks the department store. No other place smells like perfume up and down. And it's a perfume, and this is specifically the item that we pursued. We 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 pursued in Austin um, for obvious reasons because my friends are super into perfume, and I enjoy. Now, remember, do you remember when we went to Sephora in Paris? That, Sephora. Uh, that first time. Sephora. 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 Yeah, it's a PH. And I remember enjoying that because it wasn't a department store. It was on Champs Elysees. Mm-hmm. It was it was much more like it was much more like a Fry's Electronics, but of scents and fragrances. And <laughs> I I'd don't never know that been I, any... would, I don't know that I would compare it to Fry's, but sure. Whatever you know what I mean. It was mm-hmm. more like Best Buy. I don't know. It was more. It was more. He had more action to me. First of all, it was packed with crazy people. You know, going around sampling that thing. You know, going it, it, the whole. It had a whole process to it that seemed like a Vegas buffet. Yeah. And I remember enjoying that. And we were there for two hours. And I remember legit having, like, as, as much as I, I still hated shopping 100% of anything like that. But I enjoyed that because it was so different from, there were no clothes. So it was just taking strips, spraying, experiencing the smell, and then, like, at some point getting intoxicated from all the smells. Um, and I think we were there for two hours. And we bought, yeah. we bought a gift for, you know, mom, gift for grandmother. I still remember what we bought her, I think. I think you, I think we ended up choosing like a Donna Karen perfume for her. Or was it a Scotta? It was one of those two. But well, she I know still she has big... it. You know, she still has it in her oh, bathroom. Oh, she does? Oh, yeah. Well, how do we know which one is it, which one it is? I'll know it when I see it. I'll show it to you. It's definitely All right, we have there. to identify it because that's the very first perfume purchase that we yeah. ever made. It's kind of like a white bottle that looks almost like smoke going up. I know. I exactly remember it smelling like. very flowery and citrusy, and it yeah. was like a spring freshy type of vibe. That's what I remember about it. Yeah, it was a very fresh scent. And that was the first Sephora I'd ever been to as well, and I, I'm guessing you too. Uh, that was a fun experience. And I mean, so you've basically narrowed it down. Your trauma has to do with clothing and department stores. Yes. Yeah. Perfume shopping at a Sephora is completely different. I wonder how you would feel at a Sephora now. I mean, they're everywhere. You can go into one and see how you feel. Well, I mean, I couldn't. I'm not like the 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 as people will see as I'm broken down gradually over this hazing ritual that I went through in Austin. You know, I'm not I don't hate it because I'm hanging out with my friends, so I enjoy just the the company. It's just that I kind of I kind of enter a fugue state, and I kind of become a zombie, and I kind of feel. I guess you know it's an issue of there's a sense of powerlessness. There's a sense of. I don't know. There, 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 there's, there's just a lot of ambient reminders of the old days that I think get to me. No matter how purposeful my shopping journeys are in department stores, there's a point in which it starts to creep on me. And I start to enter the womb again or something. I think, it's, I think department stores are a very unique space. So you're probably getting a lot of visual triggers and... and Things that you're not even conscious about, right? You're in this big, giant store. There's no windows anywhere. There's the smell of 8 million perfumes. There's tons of people talking and weird music. Remember there used to be piano players? 
Yeah, they've now been replaced by DJs at some some of oh, these Oh, I haven't places. seen the DJs, but that sounds grim. Yeah. Because yeah. I like the piano players. I know. They were nice. I bet you, you know, I bet you like sax in Beverly Hills still does that. But no, it used to be even just like Nordstrom or Macy's even used to have piano players, especially around Christmas. It was quite nice. But yeah, I think that you're triggered by all of the little things that don't exist anywhere else in the world. If you're standing in a department store, it's very different than any other environment in this entire world. But I want them to, I want to preserve them because they are, they, the department store is somewhere I, uh, that has actually one of the few places in America, and I've been taking note of these such places. Another one is the bowling alley for the most part. Um, you know, except when they get all clever and do the stupid lights and stuff. But even then, even that is pretty grandfathered in at this point. But the department store is one of the few places that is the same today that it was 50 years ago. Yeah. There's no difference. There's the same exact, it's exactly the same. Well, they're even in the same exact building, same setup, the escalators that crisscross. Yeah, everything about it is the same. The stores in the mall, the other stores are different, uh, even though malls in general are more or less similar to what they used to be. But but the department store specifically has not changed at all, as far as I can remember. Yeah. I'm sure yep. aficionados would point out that, well, in the old days, you'd somebody would come and serve you like a slave while you were shopping and yada, 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 whatever. But You still get that at the nice ones. Well... So I'm going to enter the diner now, which is a happy place. Good. And I'm going to gradually be um, hazed in this giant, giant mall at, in Austin called the Domain, which is like, it's an outdoor mall, but it's like an entire city. It's huge. And when you're there, it doesn't feel like you're, you're you don't. What was it like when you when you went on those Christmas shopping trips to Fashion Island? Oh, it wasn't Fashion Island. It was South Coast Plaza. Oh, South Coast Plaza. Oh. And that was magic. Pure magic. I mean, there it was huge. Decorated for Christmas. Just an entire day from op- mall open to mall close of shopping with our mom and our aunt. Um, but you would get lost. It's like, you don't know what time it is outside. You don't know what's happening outside. It could be raining. You, you would have no idea. You were just kind of in this mall zone. And where would you guys eat? Oh, well now you're going to get jealous because we would eat at Laurie's. Son of a bitch. (laughs) You would not mention that you would eat at Laurie's. We ate at Laurie's. You hid that from me. I'm sorry. It was you guys a, would hid you hid that from me. What would you have come for an entire day of shopping in a mall? No, but you could have brought a prime rib back home. Well, it was a Larry's. It was like a it has a different name. Larry's Carvery, where you order at the counter. They still bring you your food, but you order at a counter. It wasn't like sit down steakhouse, but it was Larry's. It was called Larry's. I want to say Carvery or something like that. Interesting. 
Well, you should come next time. Well, thank you for... Do you remember any specific wild events that occurred during one of these annual trips to South Coast Plaza? Wild events? Not really wild events, no. But it would be... um, For me, it was always interesting because it would be like mom and our aunt just talking so much gossip about everything and everyone. So it was kind of fun to just sit back and watch. And of you know, of course I got to pick out my own Christmas gifts, so that was the best part, but just a whole lot of talking. I mean, imagine, you know what their phone calls would be like, but it was like that all day long. Can't say anything wild happened though. And our late great aunt is the kind of woman the last we know who used to say so i says and so he says and so i says i says (laughs) just like the the women be gossiping in the 1950s it was beautiful it was like uh you'd fall into a trance listening to all the gossip great Yeah, I use some obvious suggestions. They don't know when they ask for bacon cheeseburger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't know when they're with the frontiers. Okay. With fries, it's fine. Uh, I'm gonna do a salad. Salad challenge, that's fine. Uh, yeah. Okay. What kind of dressing? Uh, that's what I want. Okay. And what about you, sir? Uh, can I do a chicken fried breakfast? Chicken fried chicken or chicken fried steak? Uh, they offer both. Oh. So when you say chicken fried breakfast, I'm like. Mm-hmm. I'll do chicken. All right, chicken fried chicken. Cream gravy is fine. Yep. And how you want the eggs? Sunny side up. Hash browns is fine. Hash browns is great. Toast or biscuit or pancake for $5,000. Thank you. You can change it for a pancake for $1.99. I'll do pancake. Okay, all right. Anything that comes with toast or biscuit, you can sum it out for a pancake, so keep that in mind. Okay. Even if it's off the dinner menu, if you don't want the Texas toast, you can get a pancake. Awesome. What about you, sweetheart? I'm going to do the chicken fried breakfast, but do a steak. And um, I'd like I'd like hash browns, flaky biscuit. Does that come with gravy, the flaky biscuit? It can if you want that, I would. I will not, sir. And how you want your eggs? Uh, scrambled. Okay. And I'd like to add, um, add some cheddar cheese to the eggs. And I'd like to add a side salad with ranch dressing. No croutons if it comes with any. Thank you, Thank you. Okay. Could I make a quick change? Could I, it is cranberry juice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> could I? Could I do the steak as well? The chicken fried steak yes. for the chicken. Okay. That's it. The power of suggestion. I know. I was. I didn't even realize there was. That was a steak option. Like that's one. the main option. Yeah, yeah but chicken fried steak. That's what I'm saying. I because I know it's two. I don't want to assume that's what's wrong with people. They make assumptions. Oh, you mean chicken fried steak? And it be just that moment where you want a chicken fried chicken. You know. Yeah. yeah. yeah so when they say chicken fried dinner, <laughs> I always make sure so it's we can be sure. on the same team. Yeah. Thank you. I All right. Thank you. Uh, can I get some more coffee? Yes, you can. Thank you.
I like your watch tattoo. That's the problem with people. They make assumptions. And if you're one of those assuming-ass people who thinks that you're going to listen to this entire four-and-a-half-hour journey into my fetid shopping nightmare, you can correct that mistake very easily. You can correct that. You can correct that. Um, just move that little finger over to your Patreon app or to your browser, patreon.com slash filthy Armenian, and subscribe to the show for the rest of this episode and show your support and help to keep it ad-free and help spread this light all over the world for just $5 a month. $5 a month! Patreon.com slash Filthy Armenian. Thank you for listening.